This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Fender Bender on Joy 94.9. Revving up the weekends with news and views on all things motoring. Yes, good afternoon. It is Saturday afternoon, which means it is time for another hour of Motoring Madness. My name is Daniel Gardner, and I'm bringing you a little bit of motoring for your Saturday afternoon. Many thanks to the fabulous gang at uh, Critical Hit for another wonderful gaming show. Up to their mischief, tucked away in dark rooms and uh, never seeing anyone. Uh, but I will be talking a little bit about more of the outdoors. Uh, there's been plenty going on over the last week. Uh, the Los Angeles Motor Show has been going on. We'll be bringing you the highlights of that. And we'll also be telling you a little bit about the things that we've been driving on home turf. Mike Costello, who's joining me in the studio, a regular on the Fender Bender team. How are you, sir? I'm good, mate. How are you? What is it? I'm, f- I'm fantastic. If we get a message with something a little bit, you know, naughty in there, we could just say the word bleep. D- You'd have to be really right? good to get the timing right. Mm. You know, mm. I don't think it would sound right. We can, dry, we can mm. do a dry run later if you like, yeah, see if it works. let's try it. Okay, I can see this resulting in absolute disaster. Uh, someone who is not a disaster or a train wreck of a person is the wonderful Paul Merrick, who joins us again. Uh, you're becoming somewhat of a regular with us on Fender Bender as well. How are you, sir? I'm, I'm wonderful, guys, and so, so glad to be here. With a slight cold, though, but I won't tell anyone. Please don't start... By introducing Paul with a compliment, because he doesn't need to get a bigger head than he already has. <laughs> no, hang on, we should point out something here. Now, if, you, if you're detecting any tension in the studio here, we try and keep the balance of professional motor journalists as equal and unbiased as possible for Fender Bender. But we have two gentlemen from a very good website called Car Advice in the studio today. Uh, both Mike and Paul are employees of that aforementioned publication. So if you do hear any sort of rivalry, any sort of tension between them, they do have to spend their day in an office together. So let's hope that doesn't spill over into the Joy Studios. <laughs> well, you know, spilling over Joy Studios. I, I won't go there. Oh, please. <laughs> I won't, I won't run with that one. Uh, the tone has to be lowered pretty early on. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it has been a big week, guys. Now, we were all still... We did, did either of you travel to Los Angeles for the show? No, no, no I, I didn't. Uh, we had people there, but not myself. Well, it's nice to have you in the in the country for a uh, for a while, Mike. You know, normally, you're out gallivanting around in various places. Uh, I also was resident, but um, that makes a difference for a change, doesn't it? Because normally we're over at uh, it was Tokyo last, and before that, of course, it was Frankfurt. So uh, we will be covering off a few things about LA, but before that, we will jump straight into a bit of local news, and we'll start with something a little bit spicy, a little bit saucy. Now, horses have been in the news a lot today, but this is a different type. This is a prancing horse, and it is alive and well with the Ferrari 488 Spider that has arrived in Australia now and I believe you were there were you Paul? Yes I was yesterday there was the Australasian reveal of the car so it was a left hand drive version so it's just basically shipped in from overseas to get uh, people's appetites wet um, oh so dear. to speak oh dear, right? uh, with the, a H. <laughs> the okay. price has been dropped by some $60,000 which is a fair chunk out of a Ferrari's price wow. tag so it's now $526,888 which bargain. is a bargain it Absolutely. is just a bargain. So under the uh, rear of that car sits a beautiful 3.9-litre turbocharged V8 engine. It produces 492 kilowatts of yes, power. Yes, please. I mean, that is mind-blown type stuff. But what's even more impressive now that it's turbocharged is the torque, 760 newton metres. Whoa! This is back in the uh, diesel days where you, yeah. you only receive that type of torque from a big, chunky diesel. So uh, that helps it get from 0 to 100 in just three seconds. 
mind-blowing. Now, effectively, it's the same car as the Berlinetta, the Coupe. Or, or is it even called the Berlinetta? No, it's not, is it? But uh, the, the hardtop version. Yeah. Yes, okay. Uh, so, effectively, the same car mechanically, but they've just taken its top off, which we all like at Joy, and uh, and just put a little bit more money on the price. Is it your pick? Would you go the Coupe or the convertible? Well, the funny thing is, basically, this car now uses 11 different 6,000 series aluminiums. So, what that means is that the car... Means, well, no, it means nothing. That's yeah. what it means. It means absolutely <laughs> nothing. I have no idea what you're talking so about. So, to translate that into English, it means that the car is now actually as rigid and as good to drive as the coupe so it, it basically does not it's not affected at all by losing its roof so so, so what you're saying is we've got an italian stiffy topless Fantastic. Yes. What it really sounds like to me is a bunch of Germans have joined Ferrari oh, surreptitiously. No. Because since when did Italian supercar brands get carried away with 11 different types of aluminium? I know, it does Seriously. sound very German, doesn't it? Yeah. Anyway, a fabulous thing. And it is on sale now if you have over half a million bucks. With a waiting sale. list of 12 months already. Which is the way they want to keep it, isn't it? Of course, Absolutely. exclusivity with Ferrari is everything. Moving on, though, there has been another update to its main rival. Its arch rival, the Lamborghini Huracan, uh, has been updated. Now, when I say an update, it's they've just added something to the engine software, haven't they? That's pretty much all they've done. The, the Huracan, which is the direct competitor of the 488, um, a, uh, a mid-engine V10 5.2-litre, will now, uh, under part throttle, operate on only half its cylinders, five cylinders, effectively becoming a 2.6-litre. Oh, thank God. It's <laughs> just what we need. A Lamborghini with a fuel-oriented focus. Let's save the juice in our Lamborghini Huracan. But as you said before, Seriously. it sounds like the Italians you know, talking about millions of different you know, uh, materials. Well, we know Lamborghini is German-owned now. It's owned by the Volkswagen Group, and this just sounds like a very German thing to do, doesn't it? You well, know, and, and it's it's there no turbocharging. It's all naturally aspirated, so which is they have to now. do whatever they can to reduce the fuel consumption. And they haven't actually said it reduces fuel consumption <laughs> at all. All they said is it's reduced carbon dioxide emissions. Well, see, so, cylinder apparently. deactivation only works if you're on part throttle. And if I was driving an Huracan, I would be flat to the floor all of the time. Of so it'd be next to useless. So you me. can actually override <laughs> That's it. That's true. <laughs> Excellent. On the one hand, they're you know cutting the emissions of their massive uh, V10 inefficient engines, and on the other hand, they've been deceptive and, and made all their really efficient diesel engines actually emit more. Good on you, guys. Very Italian. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, Nismo is a brand, is a, a sub-brand of Nissan that is their performance vehicles. Uh, other places in the world have a Nismo range, but we don't in Australia, and we've been asking for it for some time. Now, I was chatting to the uh, CEO and Managing Director of Nissan Australia uh, this week, Richard Emery, and he told me, com- confirmed at last, that they will be here in 2016. No confirmation of what models we were getting. It's, we can pretty much guess, though, what we're getting there, can't we, Mike? Well, yeah, uh, Nismo is interesting, isn't it? Because Nissan has a history of making some really good sports cars, GDR and the Zeds and, and all these cars that are, that are excellent and, and dying for Nismo treatment. But then you have a look at what else Nismo does, and Nismo sort of turns its attention to all of Nissan's cars. And among them are Nismo versions of the giant Hippopotamus-esque Patrol, <laughs> Nismo versions of the relatively ordinary Pulsar, a Nismo version of the, what's the sedan version of the Micro called? The oh, Almira? Who cares? Like, I think the what, sorry, there's a the real... Who cares? Yeah, that's <laughs> I There's a real that. mixed bag to Nismo, isn't there? And so hopefully the good stuff comes here. Well, the closest we've got to it is um, the X-Trail Z something or other? Z-Track. Yep. No, uh, yeah, N-Track. Yeah, yeah. yes. It was yes. just a Z on, on its side. Um, yeah, which is not a Nismo sort of car at all. But that's we're being told there may be packages offered later down the line. But to begin with, we'll certainly get the full-blown performance vehicle. So, mm. yeah, GTR is likely, but not until quite a lot later. And possibly the Which three... is a shame, isn't it? Oh, completely. I mean, because they can't have... have too many 
many of those. They have a car that is clinically, you know, a, a missile, the the automotive version of, you know, yeah. a Scud missile. Yeah. And they're not updating it. It's like, what is actually wrong with you people? Well, well at least we've got something to look forward to now because we have been given confirmation they will be here. 2016. So Excellent. I'm excited. Oh, 370Z version of uh, Nismo as well. Very likely to be mm. one of the first arrivals. Anyway, we have plenty more news to get through, including a couple more local things. And after that, we're going to talk about the LA show and all the exciting things that have been happening there. So stick around. You are on Joy 94.9. This is Fender Bender, the hour of motoring things on Joy. Uh, and if you want to get in touch, you can. It's very simple. You can use what's known as a mobile telephone, mm. and you can send a text mm. message. I don't know whether anyone's heard of one of those before, but if you send one of those to 0427JOY949, it'll come up on a computer next to me, and I might read it out. Uh, uh, one I won't be reading out is that one that someone sent before. Uh, <laughs> yes. You know you who you are. Yes, that one is not getting aired. Or you can email on air at joy.org.au, but the same strict standards to naughtiness apply. <laughs> we need to say pictures for that one, I think. Yeah. <laughs> God, no, thank you. Anyway, before the break, we were talking about some local news. Uh, one quick thing I want to touch on is Toyota 86. That absolute gangbusters uh, sports car from Toyota uh, has been introduced in another special edition. It's now the 753rd that Toyota have introduced. That does not get any more power. It's called the Toyota 86 Black Line. It's basically a body kit and some black stripes, and it doesn't get more power. But that's what we need, isn't it, guys? The 86, it just needs some more power. Absolutely. I mean, it's not that it necessarily needs more to drive better, but it's that it's been around like this for ages now, and yeah. to get people interested in, in, in it again, you need to have something mechanical changed, I'm gonna not be, a bloody sticker pack. I'm going to be the bitch of the group here and say that I don't like that car at all. I Ooh. just think it is just a waste of time. I, I, It doesn't have enough power. It's not remotely interesting to drive because it doesn't have enough traction it's running on prius tires let's mm. not forget and everyone thinks they're they're a hero in it but it's like well it's not actually going that fast so i i but that's why it's like great it. because in on you know a country with low speed limits you want a car that's always on edge and a car with very little traction as you say is fun because you can have a little bit of an adventure in it it's always on its toes and you have to actually work to drive it that's a good thing true but all of those purists and people who say you know we, that's what you need in a pure sports car, can have one of those. For everyone else who's a lunatic, like us, they can have the really powerful one and probably charge a bit mm. more for it. So, you know, the, you can still have the purest sports car without without ruining it. You don't have to take that off the market if you introduce a more powerful well, one. Well, before they even do anything to the engine, they need to delete the, the stability control program and start again because that, in every Toyota, is the same. And in that car, it, it is the car's biggest downfall because it's so intrusive Agreed. that it will only become worse with more power. Agreed. That's true. Yeah, That's that is true. so true. I thought that... Um, um, yeah, I'm certainly not a good enough driver to ever turn it off, and I won't do that. Certainly, in a short wheelbase, rear wheel drive sports car that doesn't belong to me. You save that for the racetracks, exactly. Uh, but I did drive the uh, Subaru BRZ, which is the the same car, effectively rebadged with a slightly different body on it, um, but a version they only sell in Japan. When I was there, called the TS, and I drove that on a really cool little circuit, and it just felt like it was on the point of crashing all the time because the, the traction control and the stability control kept cutting in, and it actually wasn't anywhere near the point of of um, instability. Yep. So I totally agree with you on that, Paul. Yeah. They need to sort that out as well. And I do also think your slightly coldy voice is a bit lovely as well. Yeah. <laughs> 
Mike said don't start off with a compliment, so I left it a bit, and then, and then I'll drop it. No, it's good. the timing's impeccable. Uh, very quickly, uh, sticking on local news, uh, Mike, the Kia Pro Seed GT, which has as much punctuation in its name as it does letters. Uh, news on that. An automotive epitaph has never been harder to say oh. or less fun to write because it's a stupid name with an underscore in it, but it is a car that will be missed. Kia has axed it from its local lineup. It was always a bit of an orphan in the lineup. It's sourced from Europe. It's manual only. It's a three-door. It's all of the things that make a car hard to sell in Australia, but and cool. therefore it's gone. They sold bugger all over the past two years, but it was a noble experiment. Basically, it's a European-designed, engineered, and made proper hot hatch with a proper chassis and proper rear suspension and a great engine and it's the single best car to ever come out of Korea and uh, it really opened eyes to what Kia is capable of and it changed a few hearts and minds along the way and while it only lasted two years in Australia because they just couldn't sell any um, I think in the long run it will go down as sort of a bit of a maybe not a classic but something along those lines. So the uh, the fundamental advice is buy a Kia Pro Seed while they're still just about on sale because mm. that will be one of those cars you look back on and, and say, why didn't we there get one? There will only ever be 800 in Australia at you most. Go. And... Hire and Mike to do your eulogies because they, that was beautiful. <laughs> oh, I really like that. That, that is lovely. lovely. Gentlemen, that is the local news. Don't forget to fasten your seatbelt. You are listening to Fender Bender on Joy 94.9. We are going to talk a little bit now about more uh, further afield matters. The Los Angeles Motor Show is on at the moment. And it, there was a few notable and important reveals. And we're going to start with... Mini, a brand I really like, but they've been doing something that's a little bit peculiar over the the years that they've been taken over by BMW, now BMW owned. Um, They have been introducing millions of variants. So we originally just had the Mini, and it was just a Mini, that's all you got. You might be able to get on with a little bit more powerful engine, but it was just a Mini. And now we have everything from the Coupe, the Convertible, the Clubman, the the, there's squillions. Uh, And it looks like we're going to get two more Minis potentially an MX-5, Mazda MX-5 rival, so a little convertible, potentially real drive uh, sports version, or maybe front-wheel drive, the Mini is. Uh, and also, the minor name has been reintroduced and bandied around. So there may be two more potential Minis. See, Mini had a Mazda MX-5 rival called The Roadster, which it recently axed, and that was a 40k-ish ragtop. Yeah, uh, so yeah, maybe they're going to go back to the drawing board on that one. And the, the fact the Mini Minor could return, that's awesome. That is good, isn't it? I think that is great news. That's if what they, you want. If they did it right, Pacemans though. and things are a bit silly, but the Minor? That's a classic. But, yeah, they've got to get their act together on this, because Clubman was a brilliant Mini in its original form. I loved one. I very nearly bought one in the UK, actually, years ago. 1275. Anyway, I can do that another day. But uh, the Clubman doesn't isn't anything like the original Clubman. The Clubman had a different yeah. nose on it, whereas what they've done is made it the the Traveller. The Traveller was one with the barn doors yep. at the back, and they called it the Clubman. So they're not really sort of naming consistently. So, you know, okay, so we Mini might... The Mini Minor will be a seven-seat SUV. Well, it, it could be. Yeah. It could be if their history is anything to go, well, yeah, that's a great idea. Don't, if Mini, if you're listening, don't even think about yeah. it. Don't even get that, get that idea so, in your head now. Surely the MX-5 rival then needs to be rear-wheel drive, right? Will anyone buy a... A, a sort of hot convertible. The, the issue is the Mini platform, the UKL platform, also underpins the BMW 1 Series and the 2 Series Active Tourer, uh, is front-wheel drive or all-wheel drive only. And the odds of Mini making a car based on its own specific rear-drive architecture, unless they used maybe a 3 Series platform from their parent company and, and repackaged that potentially, but whether, too they, heavy. whether you could make that in, a, in an affordable way would be pretty surprising. I doubt that would happen. 
Yes. We'll wait, we'll wait to Besides see. Besides, the MX-5 is perfect. Why would you want anything else? It could be based on... What was that concept that Mini did a while ago that was that... What was it called? It was a really cool-looking, very rounded. It was a little bit MX-5. I know the one you're talking about. Yeah, yeah it's not the, the name escapes me, but that, that could work, potentially, as a Mini MX-5 rival. Anyway, we're, we're, this is pure speculation. We're not here for speculation on Fender Bender. What we are going to talk about is something that's not speculative anymore, and that is Fiat's own answer to the MX-5, the freshly unveiled 124. Now... I, yes. We spoke a little bit about this before we went on air, so I already know where you stand on this. And you're wrong. You are wrong, you hear me? Well, I've got to say, so we've known for a while that, that Mazda, when it developed the MX-5, did so and, and, and under the understanding that Fiat would come along for the ride and do its own version. And that's kind of how you afford to do cars like this. And so we knew Fiat would have the platform of the MX-5, but what else it would do with that we didn't really know. And they unveiled the 124 this week, which taps into a really famous name for the brand, Fiat 124. Great name, cool heritage, really, really, really cool kind of uh, idea. And all along you thought, okay, this would be perfect. It's a Japanese-engineered sports car with all the reliability that that will bring, with a sexy Italian badge and no doubt brilliant design on top. And they've completely dropped the ball. Totally. We don't even know what engine's going to be yet, do we? It's, It's probably not going to be... Well, it could potentially, people are saying it could be something turbocharged. It could be something. It'd be the multi-air turbo from Fiat, wouldn't it? That 1.4 turbo. Well, they, they need something as a saving yeah. grace, otherwise they're totally it lost. Will, it will be a turbocharged engine, and that's what probably sets it apart. But, come on, it's supposed to be... The whole point of having an Italian convertible based on a Japanese car is so that you can leverage the Italian cool factor. And it, they revealed it this week, and it's kind of ugly in my I opinion. like it. This is... I, don't, I can't believe you're oh, saying this. I quite like Dan. it. It's, it's got something... Don't, don't do that. We've got a chat. Do, we, we are chatting. That's the point of this show. It's a talk show. I thought I, could, I should have explained it before we went on air. Um, it's an, I think it's an interesting looking thing. It's got something a little bit Mustang about the front. Uh, it's sort of low and wide, which a sports car is supposed to be. You know, if you want sort of cute and sort of, you know, round and little, then you've got the MX-5. But this is going something a little bit more sort of phallic. Maybe. Do you reckon they should have changed... <laughs> phallic. Uh, do you reckon they should have changed the interior? Uh, why? Oh, well, I, that's, that's the other thing with this car, isn't it? Yeah. Because it's pure MX-5 inside, yeah. down to the touchscreen, oh, which has mean. the same software. Yeah, the MZD Connect, I'm just not very fond of that anymore. Well, I the think. graphics are exactly the same yeah. as the Mazda. It just strikes me as they've just done a bit of a lazy job of it. Like, it could have been anything. It could have been that perfect marriage of Italian sensibilities and Japanese robustness and yep. quality and design. And yep. it's actually, the MX-5 does, in my eye, it looks better. It will drive as well. It will no doubt be cheaper. I just don't get what has happened It's in a process. little bit like when MG introduced the MGF. Um, um, you know, yeah. we had, they yep. promised us it was going to be a rear-drive mid-engine sports car, two-seater convertible you thought fantastic how can you possibly go wrong even yep. with those few core facts there it's going to be great and it was awful yeah. so you know it's, it's one of those cases where you've got such potential and yet it's never really yeah, what, realized. what is mg today it's just of nothing oh, oh good question and there's an entire yeah. show in itself for yeah. that uh yes a brand that has been bludgeoned to death on the rocks <laughs> uh anyway don't get me started on that because i won't i'm not patriotic but i may be a little bit sad about the mg yep. death anyway anyway moving on to something else we did talk about the local huracan uh which has just got an update so it can run on half its engine that's a sensible move. What Lamborghini has also done and revealed at Los Angeles Motor Show is they are still in touch with their more insane side. They have introduced a version of the Huracan which is 
only rear-wheel drive. Now, obviously, the LP610 is a four-wheel drive uh, Lamborghini. The This one, I think, it's got slightly less power, isn't it? It's the 580, is it called? Yes. Or five, anyway, what, yes, the it's something. slightly less power, but only going through the rear wheels. Now, is this exciting? I, For me, it is terribly exciting because rear-wheel drive and power means lots of skids and fun, but... It also means that this car is a little more sensible now because you no longer have to send a drive line to the front of the car. You no longer have to have a differential at the front of the car. It's free of, of all the other stuff. So it's, it's going to be lighter and it's going to be hopefully more enjoyable to drive. Very tail happy, I should imagine. Yeah, which is um, a good thing. And you actually mentioned, that you, I haven't thought of this yet, but by taking out that front differential, you might have a bit more room in that ridiculous exactly. frunk. So it's like, a, it. yeah, it's like a win-win-win. But it yeah. also gives an important differentiator from the Audi R8. Because uh, they're right. basically the same car with a different body, but Audi's always going to be Quattro because that's Audi. But Lamborghini has the luxury of being able to go beyond that and gives the cars a clear differentiation. So that's important too. They did they did something similar with the, um, the Gallardo, didn't they, last time? Yes. They, they introduced a rear drive only version of that, and yep. that apparently was undrivable. Like it was apparently. But yeah, that's what you want in a Lamborghini. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I'm Since not saying it's a bad idea. The whole it's problem fantastic. with modern Lamborghinis is they're too easy. You can drive them with you know very little effort at all. Like People comparatively speaking. Easy, I but it was funny. Problem. That was the that was the Belboni, right? And yes, as yes. the chief. Tester yeah. of Lamborghinis, he wanted his car to be rear-wheel drive, and I think that is so cool. That Which is all well and good when you are a, a driving yeah. wizard. When you're an absolute <laughs> buffoon like me, one of two things happens. No, both things happen. One, you accelerate off and ruin a set of tyres, and then you end up in a hedge. It is That's so good. It is so good to hear a motoring journalist call themselves a buffoon, by the way, because there are so many of our colleagues that have exaggerated opinions of their abilities, and let's be honest about this. I'm going to let you dwell on that for a moment. We have to have a little short break, but we will be back straight after this on Joy 94. Point nine. You're listening to Fender Bender. Do you ever get those days when you really hate all electronics <laughs> and nothing is being good to you in terms of technology? Well, that's one of those days I'm having today because what you were actually supposed to listen to, believe it or not, was uh, Sorry by Justin Bieber. And that, it was dedicated, even though we didn't hear it, to your lovely wife, um, Abby. Abby, thank you. <laughs> I, I think that computer might be my spirit animal yes. because it didn't play that <laughs> awful song. Mike and I'm was so, so happy. He was so offended by the fact I, I had a really quiet Bieber. talk to the computer earlier and just said, hey, listen, if you can Have do you me a solid. <laughs> Not Have playing this water on you. I can't believe it. You've actually doctored my computer so it doesn't play my music. How dare you? It's true. Well, you had to have uh, you had to have Paul Simon instead, and that's you know that's a worthy alternative. Anyway, this isn't a music show. That's on next. That's cute with Hannah next. So stick around. But we're talking about cars for about another uh, twenty-seven minutes. Now then, Mike. I want to talk to you about big burly trucks because in Australia we like a ridiculously large car. In fact, I'm driving a Ford Everest at the moment, which is, you know, obscenely big. But we can go even bigger than that in Australia now, can't we? Because we can. Uh, because, well, when you go to America, you might notice that things like the Ford Everest are actually baby, tiny, weeny, mini sized cars because they have these things called full size trucks or pickups. Ford F-150, Chevy Silverado, Nissan Titan, Toyota Tundra, and the Ram 2500 and 3500, which this week launched in Australia in right-hand drive. Yeah, and for a long, long, long time, if you wanted to get one of these monstrosities, you had to go through uh, an an aftermarket converter. 
car. But a new group this week has launched. It's a cooperation between Walkinshaw, the famed racing team and yep. you know, for its hot Commodores, and Atiko Automotive, the group that imports things like Maserati and Lotus. And they together are bringing them directly from the factory in Mexico that makes them with Fiat Chrysler's AOK, bringing them here. Walkinshaw has its own production line, re-engineers them using their parlance to right-hand drive and yep. sells them for between 140 and 150 grand ish, which is a bit steep. Well, how, is it though? Is it? Well, how he, much are these things in the US? Uh, a lot less than that. There are a few. There are a few things at play. First of yeah, all, it's everything's currency. a lot less. Than First of all, it's currency. Like you know, anyone who's been overseas lately will realise that everything's going to get a whole lot more expensive. Companies that have been selling things here from America hedge so you know you sell things at yesterday's currency if you're launching something today you have to sell them at today's currency level so you're going to be going to be expensive for one thing but these things i mean if you need something that goes above and beyond what a say a ford ranger or a hilux can do what options do you have i mean this thing can tow seven tons with the right tow ball yes uh, it can it can i understand what you're saying it's an impressive thing but you know a, a an Airbus A380 can carry 500 people. Well, I don't need to do that. And neither does anyone need to tow seven and a half Yes, tons. they do. Absolutely. What? What? What if you have... Okay, for instance, I grew up on a horse Oh, farm. I found a mountain has I, grown I outside grew up, my house. I grew mistake. up on a horse stud. What do you think people towed their giant four-horse trailers with? That is unnecessary. Who needs four horses? Exactly. It's outrageous. The apocalypse. What if you have a giant boat? I mean, there are people out there that need to tow big (laughs) things, and they will want one of these. Yeah, Lindsay Fox. Exactly. You know, he does, and but he uses trucks. That's a sensible (laughs) thing for towing. Yeah. This thing is ridiculous. Well, it's got a it's got a six point seven liter Cummins diesel in it with more than a thousand newton meters of torque, which is absurdly high. Yeah. Um, it's brilliant, and uh, it's basically a luxury car inside. It's enormous, uh, and it does fill a market niche, or at least this uh, joint venture calling itself American Special Vehicles would okay. definitely hope so. Well, look, Australia, we are, we've talked about, you know, how a, such a unique market this is. You know, b- before we were talking about the Kia Proceed GT, which is one of the best cars, you know, you could buy, and no one bought it, even though we always say that we're a nation of petrol heads. And for the same reasons, you know, we can stand around and look at this thing. BMW X6, there you go, there's another car that shouldn't sell because it's pointless, but people love it. And the uh, the Ram, you know, so this is going to be a car that... Look, they've, done, they've spent millions doing this. They've done a lot of market research they wouldn't have dropped the coin if they didn't think there was a niche there there clearly is True. and there's a lot of people with their hands up for this car they're going to do 500 in the first year they'll probably increase that and there are a lot of people out there for whom an everest or a ranger just ain't cutting it that is ridiculous come on <laughs> those cars will go anywhere i just drove the new navara np300 which in certain forms has a uh, a load capacity of uh, 1.3 tonnes. That's carrying, not towing. Right. You know, who needs a car that can do more than that? Again, it, plenty of people need to tow more than three tonnes and plenty of people need to carry more than one. It, it's, it's a fact. There are tonnes of people that have heavy-duty requirements. But is it a cultural thing that we need to change? You know, I mean, in Europe, no one tows that amount. No one, no one needs that kind of capacity. How do they get by? The, 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 the continent hasn't ground to a halt because they can't pull... 15 billion tons and take the top of a mountain. Well, who are we to tell people what to do with their cars, Dan? If they want to use a car that can Stop. do that thing, I know who that are we? Tone of voice. I know that tone of voice Daniel. on you, Mike. It's not you speaking. It's, it's that little devil on your shoulder. I know you don't mean that. <laughs> I don't know. I just think if somebody wants one and there's a company that can provide it, then great. Go nuts. I think they're a bit silly, but if you want one, I'm gonna play you can get I'm one. I'm going to play a sting to cut you off. Fender Bender. Guaranteed to leave skid marks?
Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and you'd be doing you a lot of that me. in your RAM. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's talk about another uh, SUV-esque kind of off-roady thing, uh, which is marginally more sensible and more affordable and less ridiculous. Uh, a brand that's just recently introduced into Australia... Haval, or however you want to pronounce it, I'll let you pick this one up in a moment. Mike, you were the first journalist in Australia to drive the H8, so please tell us all about it. Havel. All right, okay. <laughs> like oh, Gravel. Is, is that how you... Is Havel. There a like Gravel. Mm. Okay. Mm. Uh, it's a Chinese brand. It owns Great Wall. Uh, it's calling itself number one SUV brand in China, which is quite bold. And it has launched recently in Australia with three SUVs, the Baby H2, the Big H9, and the H8. H... Eight. As in, Think about that yeah. for a second. That's opening itself up to all kinds of misinterpretations. Mm. But nevertheless, this is the mid-level SUV of theirs. It's about the length of a territory, so a seven-seater, a Ford Territory, but it's only got five seats. So it's kind of half Mazda CX-5 rival, half Ford Territory, Toyota Kluger rival, doesn't yeah. really know what it wants to be. Priced very ambitiously. See, back in the day when, say, think to when the Koreans 10, 15 years ago were launching en masse in Australia... The cars weren't that great, but they were half the price of the competition. Well, the Haval, or the Havel, I should say, is priced at 45k as I drove it, which is about the same as more yes. mainstream established rivals. So it's not competing on price. So what is it competing on? Well, then? apparently competing on merit. And so I went into this drive with very high expectations as to what this car would deliver. And in some ways, it's pretty good. I mean, its back seat is enormous. Hang on, hang on. What were you doing? I uh, just... You know, testing, Dan. Yes. Testing. Uh, it's big, comfortable leather bolsters, <laughs> ice Oh, leather. Tethers. Oh, hang on. He's dwelling on the leather now. Yeah. So, look at the back seat and the wipe-clean leather seats. Basic, <laughs> basically a limo in the back. Uh, in the front, I mean, it's quite luxurious. You've got all the modern amenities that you would expect. That being said, it doesn't have anything that a mid-level or a top-level CX-5 or a Tucson or something wouldn't offer. Um, some of the graphics on the screen are a bit old school, but you know it's nicely resolved. Leather, wood, aluminium trim. It feels wood. relatively well built. No, no, it's plastic. All right, plastic, fine. <laughs> but it looks okay. Hang on, hang on. So it's got fake wood. Fake in it. There's no. Wood I, I lapsed into um, being a bit generous. Thank you, thank you, Paul, you for being on the show and picking up. You know, <laughs> was, I, you're not taking backhanders from this company. The point is, it's relatively nicely resolved inside in terms of look and feel. They're definitely shooting for an upmarket buyer. In some ways, it achieves that. But then you drive it and you start to think, okay, this car isn't terrible, but in some ways, it also feels a generation or two behind. The steering is hydraulic and it's really, really heavy and it has a slow rack, meaning you're constantly having to you know, have two bigger inputs around town and those inputs are quite hard to feed in. So it's relatively difficult to drive in that sense compared to something newer. Um, there's noticeable body roll and lean. The Chinese-made tyres aren't very very good in, in the middle of a corner. Yeah. So it feels like a, a bit of an old-school SUV in that way, back when they drove a bit like trucks as compared to the ones that Do today. they say it will go off-road? Is it supposed to be able I to I mean, do yeah, it has hill descent control and it's got a nominal off-road system. It's rear bias, but it can send 50% of traction to the front or uh, 50% of torque to the front, I should say. Say, but you know who's going to take this thing off road really exactly the, same as any suv really exactly the engines are a uh, small turbo petrol 160 kilowatt doesn't feel like it and it chews a lot of fuel uh and so in a lot of ways this car is a noble effort and i really wish Havel the best of luck and There's i really ha- coming here, havel, i should it? say and i really wish havel 
Uh, I hope it learns from this and I hope it stays the course because there's tons of potential. But it does feel a generation old in some key ways. And when you're pricing your car against competition like Mazdas and Hyundais and all these things, you've got to be better than that. So cut the price, stay the course, learn the lessons. Next generation, hopefully really, really good. There you go. Thank you, Mike. There's a, uh, a Fender Bender exclusive right there. Watch this space for the rest of the range and what we think of it. Uh, before the break, we were talking about SUVs and uh, ridiculous cars at one end of the spectrum. And now we're going to talk about a car at the other end of the ridiculousness spectrum. Uh, Paul, you were recently in Dubai. You were there for the most show, I'm assuming. No, I was actually coming back from Frankfurt. Oh. And it was a stopover, and okay. because the car companies are generous. Oh, this to... is so cool! You're so, you are so <laughs> this is, cool. This okay, is so why the most people, when they have a stopover in Dubai, they go for a wander, they go and look at a desert, or they go up the tallest building in the world. No, Paul, when he's having a stopover in Dubai, drives a McLaren 650S. That's right, up the highest mountain in the United Arab Emirates. So there are I, mountains in the UAE. Yes. What is it? Um, three feet above sea level. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, about an hour away from. Dubai uh, is, and I know I'm pronouncing this wrong, it's called Jebel Jace, which is a mountain that straddles uh, the UAE and Oman. And basically, uh, the Emiratis have decided to build a road up this mountain. It's all perfect, brand new, two lanes up, one lane down, and they haven't finished it yet. Oh, so at this stage, there's no one there. So I took the McLaren 650S, which uh, for the uninitiated has a 3.8 litre V8 with two turbochargers. Yes, please. It makes a stupendous 478 kilowatts of power and 678 newton metres of torque. And that makes it good for a zero to 100 dash of just three seconds. Now, the best part about this car is that it did not care at all about the heat. So while I was there, it was 45 degrees. Wow. And normally with a car that has turbochargers, it does not like heat. Yeah. Usually um, things out of the UK really struggle with heat and go red. Uh, yes. On now there's, yes. Beach. There is an exception to that rule <laughs> sitting across the desk from mm -hmm. Mike. Oh, you are so tan. I know. This thing from the UK loves the heat, just like the 650S. <laughs> Carry on. Sorry, Paul. So uh, anyway, I decided to go barreling up this mountain and... It was incredible. The The McLaren 650S is one of those cars that evokes an untold emotion. Like, you can hear the turbocharger spooling right behind your head. Oh. It makes incredible exhaust noises, and the air conditioner works, which is great. So I'm, I'm uh, getting sort of right to the top of this mountain, and I get around a corner, and all of a sudden... It ends. It becomes a gravel road. <laughs> no. It is just the most bizarre thing in the no. world. Um, so anyway, uh, my word of advice is if you do have a chance to go for a drive in Dubai, please uh, definitely venture out to, to this mountain and, and just have a look outside of the glitz and glamour of Dubai because literally it is mountain goats. There are literally mountain goats. The roads are, are fairly average and you don't have that sense of wealth and and, you know, just over the topness of Dubai. It's, it's quite incredible to see this part of the world. That's a fair point, actually. I mean, we, you know, we, we talk about cars first and foremost on here, but what we do with our job entails a lot of travel, and, you know, we get to see some fairly unusual places. And people, when they think of Dubai, they do think, you know, excess and sort of building a, a thriving city in the middle of the desert. I'm actually, I'm like, you know, I'm rather fascinated with, you know, mm -hmm. where what was at, in Dubai before Dubai was there. And, and, yeah, I think that's fascinating. But the fact that you got to see it in a 650S, that's 
pretty cool. So the car, uh, is it a worthy competitor? So we're talking yeah. about the Ferrari 488 before. Um, uh, Lamborghini Huracan, we've mentioned a couple of times in this show. Is it a worthy adversary? Absolutely. It's a rear-wheel drive, so when you when you do get on the throttle, it can get a little squirmy, but it has things like uh, the aero brake. So the aero brake works, A, by slowing the car down, you know, creating resistance, yep. but it also works uh, to reduce drag when the car is increasing in speed. It has carbon ceramic brakes. The steering is absolutely precise. Everything about the car is is what it needs to be. It's like a GTR in the sense that it's quite clinical and, and perfect, but it has more emotion and you feel like you're at one with the car. It's not a disconnected feeling. Um, you know, it's, it's quite amazing. There's something so authentic about McLaren, isn't there? Like, it's, it's, it's got proper cred. For a long time, I mistakenly thought of McLaren as being a bit cold. Their factory is, you know, like a hospital. Everything's white and perfect, and there's a sheen over everything. But they're actually really emotional in a different sort of way. It's not like Ferrari and Lamborghini where it's raw passion, yeah. but it's almost Porsche-esque in a sense where it's got all the racing heritage you need. It's cold and clinical, yes, but it's got a beating heart as well. And the modern cars that McLaren are doing stylistically, from performance perspective, from a design and even price perspective, they're really amazing. And for such a small company to be doing this pretty incredible and to hear that it performs in 45 degree heat with ac that, on that part as an engineer blew me away because nothing should perform as well as this did in that heat especially not a turbocharged car that is remarkable i mean there's there's lesser cars by a significant degree that would not perform yep. even i mean we're not just talking you know drop off in performance they would just stop they just, right. just just say nuts sorry they fold their arms by the side of the road and said well you're going to get cooked by the yeah. uh, by the desert heat but you know one of the highest performance cars you can buy on the road is completely fine in it that's that is, it that's astonishing and and the thing as well with with the unite with the uae is is just the cars like i a cleaner will drive a Range Rover. No. It's, it's literally the cars are just amazing. And I, I sort of moonlight as a travel journalist and had the chance to stay at the Armani Hotel, which is inside the Burj Khalifa. And when I rolled in... Which is in, the tallest building in the world, yeah, isn't it? When I rolled in with the McLaren, um, it was as if I was driving a Camry because oh, there was no. a Ventador, Rolls-Royce, F12. The guy had an, a matte F12 with yellow pinstripes, so it looked like a suit. Oh, Who that is that? wonderful. That, Me now. <laughs> that sounds like my dream scenario because, I mean, I love driving that sort of vehicle, but I also feel like a bit of a Burke. When I get out of them, I'm like, I feel like some <laughs> spoiled heir to a fortune and I feel horrible in a sense driving these ostentatious uh, machines. But this to be in a place where nobody bats an eyelid is perfect. This is where you and I differ, Mike. Because, <laughs> yes. Because I love people looking at me and thinking I'm a dickhead when I drive really stupid fast cars. But you turn heads everywhere you go, Dan. Yes. Oh, well, that's very nice of you to say. Say all for all the wrong reasons, so you understand. <laughs> that's fantastic. So tell me more about Dubai. Now, you, I've seen these these blogs and things on the, on the internet um, where people abandon quite high performance, yes. quite prestige cars, high-value cars anywhere else in the world. Why do they do that? What is that about? The Look, it's it's quite fascinating. They have a different mentality on cars. I, I visited uh, Elaine Class Motors, which is like a used car dealer, but they specialise in supercars. So in there, they had a, a LaFerrari. So this is one oh. of 499 in the world. And they were reselling it because as as a Ferrari buyer, you cannot just walk into a Ferrari dealership and say, I'll have the LaFerrari. Yeah. You have to have a strong history of Ferrari ownership. Sure. So some of these people are actually using these cars as a business venture. And as a result of that, some of them also come apart when their cars when they become bankrupt. So they will literally dump them at the airport. No. You'll, you'll see a lot of cars that have inches worth of sand dust on them because no. they just haven't been driven. It's so bizarre. Could we potentially have a little business 
where we go around Dubai and find cars that look like they've been left for a little while, yes. put it on a truck and bring it to Australia. You know, these are good, these are good is cars. It, is it like squatters' rights? You know, if you've been <laughs> staying in a house for long enough, it yeah, becomes I yours so. through transfer How of deed title? Yeah. Oh, I, I've, been, I've been ogling this uh, LaFerrari yeah. for a while. You must start now. it like this, though, where you grab the wires yeah. and <laughs> I have <laughs> lost the key. And, uh, oh, don't worry about that window that's not yeah. in anymore. Uh, yeah, that, that, that's fine. The torn roof. <laughs> We could uh, be like we could set up a fender bender charity. You know how there's yes. these wonderful organisations that go around the world and, and find people who have found their, themselves in unfortunate situations. They rescue them and they bring them back. We could be the equivalent for hot cars. Absolutely. You, you know, I I would love the sound. Of, I I just wonder and worry. I I did a lot of research on Dubai when when I was there to make sure I was dressed appropriately to make sure that I wouldn't offend anyone and I would be very worried about us trying to set up a charity to, to take money away from these people I think they could be quite offended I think with that Movember moustache Paula yeah. you're offending everyone at the moment mate oh is that what that is Oh, really? I just thought I, thought I just thought it was, it was you know you. Oh, <laughs> I mean, wow. you, you wear it very nicely. I, mean, I, I don't Thank think you. this should come off at the end of the month. I think it's very nice indeed, Paul. Thank you. So back to the 650s for a moment. Then that car is available in Australia, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. So over five hundred thousand dollars, unfortunately, and there really isn't anywhere in Australia you could drive it except a racetrack. But if you if you were to buy one, it would be perfect on a racetrack. And the funny thing is, they also offer a six seven five LT, which is more powerful, yes. faster, and the McLaren P one. I cannot understand for the life of me why you would need anything better than a 650S. It's But, but it's got nothing to do with need. It's if you're exactly. that kind of person, you want the best of the best of the best of the best, and for some, nothing less than a P1 will suffice. It's bizarre, though. That oh, I just don't get it. That, that blows my mind. Come on. You must have been in that situation before. I did it recently with the Audi TT. Right, oh, That yes. car, in its standard, in inverted commas, form, is one of the nicest cars, for my purposes, You know, in terms of the balance of performance, looks, handling. It's perfect. And when I drove that car... I, we knew that the, the TTS was on its way, which yep. is more powerful, a little bit harder, you know, suspension and ride. And I, I remember saying to our colleagues at the time, why would you need the S? The TT is perfect. You can't drive it very fast in Australia. You don't need that car. What happened? Did the TTS launch? This is the best <laughs> TT. And I will do exactly the same when the TTRS comes along as well. You know, you don't need any more, but true. when you drive it, you just want it. You yeah, know? Make, make it available, make it on offer, and people will want it. Yeah, that's Much true. like that stupid car you were talking about before the Ram. Exactly. Now you're coming around in my way. <laughs> Mike, Mike will be talking about semi-trucks next week. You know, what if you need to tow a grocery store? Someone might. a B-double. <laughs> Maybe we need the Ram as the car that tows the other cars in Dubai for our charity of rescue. Yes, uh, let's tee this car. up. Let's t- I will look work. into this. You know, if you're going to come up with an idea, don't discuss it on live radio. No. We're <laughs> oh, hang on. Oh, you see those three buttons it. pressed in front of me? Yeah, that's right. The entire <laughs> universe just heard our great plan. <laughs> Gentlemen, there's no better way of ending uh, another episode of Fender Bender by talking about something stupid and unfeasible, and that's exactly what we've done. Thank you so much for being on the show again, gentlemen. We only have a couple of shows left, believe it or not. <gasps> yes, that's right. Next week, Tim will be back at the helm. And the one after that is our final one before we take a little break. So make sure you listen in. Thank you so much for being on. Will you come back again soon? Absolutely. Maybe. I sincerely... <laughs> Okay, Mike. He's just—he's he's just such a bitch. He's doing what Ferrari do. He's maintaining <laughs> exclusivity. Correct. So we want him more. 
Which is working. Yes. Thank you, gentlemen. It's been great fun. Uh, do stick around listening to Joy 94.9. Coming up after the news is the fabulous Hannah with Cute. And as I said, do check out all our social media bits and pieces. Mike, what is it? Why well, don't know any of these? Uh, Facebook.com forward slash Fender Bender Joy. Thank you, Mike. Is about, like, Mike's please. about a decade younger than me, and you can tell because he's, he's, he's the social media. You does. look younger. How does it happen? Oh, no, that's not true. It's the and ten. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, for now. It'll make me look like an old leathery handbag in a few years. Uh, so do stick around. <laughs> Plenty more coming up on Joy 94.9. My name is Daniel Gardner, and until next week, safe driving. This has been a Fender Bender podcast for Joy 94.9, Australia's first and only gay and lesbian radio station. See joy.org.au for more details. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.